Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to episode number 96 of Bleeding Blue. And with the New York football giants, 34 to 17 loss to the Eagles to end the season on Monday morning, they decided to part ways and fire head coach Pat Shermer, and they also decided to retain and keep general manager Dave Gettleman. We're going to talk all about some possible alternatives, all about rumors, and also, of course, we're going to bleed blue. So without further ado, let's do exactly that, and let's bleed blue. Oh, shoot, I forgot to play the intro. Oh, David, uh, David, double underscore palace. I'll tell you what, uh, it's been quite the day. Yeah, a lot happened. But honestly, did a lot happen? Like, I don't think a lot happened. It's it's more a lot, a lot's happening in in speculation, right? Yeah. If you're not in the Twitter world, Pat Shermer got fired. Dave Gettleman was kept. John Mara had a press conference that lasted for 10 minutes. If and you're on the tw- and you, have, you have some level of sanity still. Yeah. If you're on Twitter, you dealt with a day of rumors. You dealt with a day of doomsday scenario takes. You dealt with uh, feeling feelings of excitement, feelings of despair, feelings of I don't know what the hell is going on, feelings of why is oh, – okay, John Mara, I thought he was supposed to speak tomorrow, but he's speaking today at noon, and then he had to wait 30 minutes because he was like 25 minutes late. I thought Steve Tisch was also going to speak, but then he just spoke on the side. Steve Tisch had too many martinis the, the previous night before, so I guess that's why he was late. So, yes, Mom, you have a question. My mom had a critique. She is listening in the background, and she told me to slow down. But David, was I talk? David, was I talking too fast? Yes. You you were talking kind of fast, but you. I feel like you just. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to stay on your mom's good side. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. She said, but I mean that's. I mean that's that's a podcasting technique that I call summarizing the day, and you want to do that quickly. So I was talking quickly. That's in podcasting 101. Did you ever? Did you ever read the book, David? Well, I mean, you wrote it, so of course I did. I'm the best. Nice, nice, nice drop. Yeah, nice usage of the drop. So all of that happened. My brain is in a million different places. Is your brain also in a million different places? Yes and no, and we'll get into all of it. But I think there's a lot of there's a lot of different speculations, and ultimately, we're we're not going to know for a little while. So. I th- I think I have a, I have a fairly reasoned out idea of what's happening. There's a very good chance none of it's going to happen. 
Which is always tough. What do you mean? I mean, it's always tough. Like, we've had this before where, remember when Trey Boston was supposed to be a giant? And we literally spent like 40 minutes talking about Trey Boston and this other guy that was supposed to be a, a perfect yeah. money backer safety. Yeah. And we literally spent like 40 minutes on it. And then none of them ever became a giant. So yeah. then. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I, my, my mind's not in a million different places. It could be. Um, but right now, I'm kind of just focused on what I think might happen. And. I'm going to let the chips fall, fall where they may because I don't make a decision, unfortunately. I think I should, right. but I don't. Right. We also don't have insider information. Uh, breaking news, if you're if you're a first-time listener to, to Bleeding Blue, this is this. is there's a good chance that because Pat Shermer was fired and because there's something actually new to talk about with this football team, that we do have some first-time listeners. Hello, this is a podcast called Bleeding Blue. Um, I want to – we should have done this a little bit earlier, but I do genuinely want to thank everybody who has listened all year, and I want to thank you if you're a first-time listener for clicking on and for following. You probably found us on Twitter, so thank you for following us on Twitter. And please know that we are going to actually have an announcement on the future of the show – next week so you'll have to wait till next week to hear about that but just know that that is coming uh but anyway where were we david we were talking about our head being well, in a million you, different you were, places you, and you were saying that we do not have insider information and i think right. that's very we do important not, yes because justin you got in trouble today yeah i i got in trouble um i had a i had a tweet and i had a take now, it wasn't even a take it was a, it was a partially sarcastic take, but also doomsday scenario in the morning where I said, you know what, Matt Rule, it's being kind of reported. It's been reported for a little while that Matt Rule does not want to work with Dave Gettleman, Ron Rivera, most likely going to Washington. So you want to know what? Giants, Jason Garrett, the writing is on the wall. <laughs> And for a hot second there, it was, especially with Ron Rivera, you know, going to Washington. And the only way that at first it kind of made sense for Dave Gettleman to actually stay, which I don't want to skip over Pat Shermer being fired, but the only I'm just describing how I got in trouble. Um, the only way that it made sense for Dave Gettleman to stay is if Ron Rivera and you had some sort of proven commodity to come in there with him. So I was in a very confused spot, so I'm like, okay, Jason Garrett, here we come. And then literally like maybe two hours later, it was all reported that, you know what? Those reports that we've been hearing about Matt Rule not wanting to work with Dave Gettleman, they're actually not true. And actually, even though Matt Rule was an assistant offensive line coach and Dave Gettleman was a college scout and college evaluator, Matt Rule's kind of indicated that they kind of had a good relationship. Could he be BSing? Uh, maybe. Could he just be saying glowing things about the Giants organization because it's a professional thing to do? Uh, maybe, but he was there when they were kind of when they were winning and when they were good. So you know, maybe he does feel those things. And it was bad timing, bad timing for that take and that tweet because I said that you know Matt Rule doesn't want to work with Dave Gettleman. Then lo and behold, hours later, um, I've had to explain that you know what I was wrong, but I also don't have insider information, so don't hold me to that regard. Yeah, I, I just want to put out there again because because you and I both both put up some different things today and you know neither of us have any kind of information to go off of ultimately we're both fans so if you're somebody who who got on justin or or you know who, who saw a tweet that that you didn't agree with like i guarantee you at some point in your fandom you had a bad take too and you had a take that ended up being very very incorrect so just relax so, like we're we're just fans and we just we we don't 
we don't have the same level of information that that a lot of the beat reporters who still get stuff wrong have. So I'm coming in defense of my co-host, Justin Pennick. He's a great guy and he, he doesn't deserve to be yelled at. Thank you, David. Thank no you. problem. Um, and, and, you know, it's the writing is still not on the wall for Matt Ruled coming to the Giants. It's not. No, no it's not. So you know, I think that's that's an important point to kind of to kind of take, and we'll we'll get more into Matt Rule um, and basically why you know David's more level-headed approach of understanding as to where this franchise is right now in terms of you know the complex between Dave Gettleman and a future possible head coach, and especially if that head coach is and would be Matt Rule. But David, I want to let's just start here. Pat Shermer was fired. Give me your initial thoughts as to Pat Shermer being fired, um, and we'll go from there. I don't, I, you know, I don't have that many thoughts because, I mean, Justin, you and I have been going over this for weeks now. You and I have both said multiple times that we knew this was coming. Everything pointed towards, at the very least, this was going to be a move that was made. The real question mark was Dave Gettleman. It was not Pat Shermer. I don't have many thoughts on it outside of people who are coming in defense of Pat Shermer and claiming he didn't have a chance. And I know you, you have a thought or two on this too, Justin, anybody who is taking that stance, in my opinion, is just being um, contrary because it makes them, it makes them sound informed. It's, it's a, it's a silly take when you, when you look at what so many of the uh, teams in the NFL this year, that have either been riddled with injuries or just have a bad roster. And you realize the Miami Dolphins, on the same day the Giants lost their 12th game, the Miami Dolphins won their fifth in Foxborough. Think about that. And, and Brian Flores in Miami has not shown all year he's a fantastic coach, but he managed to get the team from a, from a schematic point of view, from a game plan point of view, from an energy point of view, ready to play that football game. Yeah, I mean, what he's done is absolutely impressive with the turnover that rosters had in the middle of the season, David. Like, it was absolutely incredible. The amount of guys that they were just releasing, putting on IR, they basically did have almost a CFL roster. They traded They traded a player to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the middle of the season who many people believe is the best player on an excellent Pittsburgh Steelers defense in the middle of the season, and they got better. They won more football games after they lost Mega Fitzpatrick. It's impressive. So to say that Pat Shermer didn't stand a chance, was his roster ever very strong? No, it wasn't. We knew they had holes. But the point is, if Pat Shermer was going to stay, all it would have taken, and, and John Mara and Steve Tisch have shown this in the past, all it would have taken was six wins. Be better than the cellar dwellers in the NFL. And they're not. David, all it would have taken is just some sort of sign of tangible improvement. That's really all that we were expecting to start the year. I mean, sure, you know, oh, you know, at one point it was why not the Giants make a playoff run, especially, you know, when you're sitting at two and two and looking at the East and blah, 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 blah. But I mean, wouldn't every team think why not early in the year? Every single team in the NFL is thinking why not to start a football season. But realistically, we knew the floor was very, very low for this football team, but we also knew the ceiling could have been somewhat high. 
That's all we needed. We needed some sort of tangible sign of improvement. And if you're having this take of Pat Shermer didn't stand a chance now, there have been some people that have said it since day one. And you want to know what? If you're that much of a pessimist to have that take the day that Pat Shermer was hired, good for you. Good for you if you're a fan. If you can see that writing on the wall and you want to be negative and you almost want to root for bad things to happen just so your initial take of negativity can be right, good for you if you have that stance. But to say that now, for all you know, all these random people that are saying Pat Sherman didn't stand a chance now, where was this throughout the entire season? And also, let's not forget, this man put together a staff that also couldn't succeed and utilize the talent around them. And unfortunately, that's also on the head coach. This New York Giants team, I'll, I'll specifically say when healthy, but even for a large portion of the year when they weren't healthy in, in varying degrees, this is not a four-win football team. You know, Justin, when you and I talked about before the season started, their floor versus their ceiling, I don't really know if either of us saw their floor at 4-12. and 12. We might have said that to kind of like doomsday, everything goes wrong. I um, remember us saying this could be at worst a three-win team and maybe at best a nine-win team. I, I don't so, – so, you know, you say those kinds of things and – when you talk about a floor and a ceiling, do you really believe that the floor is going to come true and you really believe the ceiling is going to come true? No, you believe it's going to be false. No, because you're a fan. Middle. <laughs> right. So I, I'm sorry. When you look at specifically the, and this, to me, this is the nail in the coffin in Pat Shermer it, for, for, for Pat Shermer. When you look at the, the talent that they have on the offensive side of the ball, it's egregious to be a forward football team. It's it's a lack of ability in game, out of game. It's a lack of ability to get your guys ready and to adjust to game situations around you. And a lot of coaches in the NFL managed to do that with less. The Pittsburgh Steelers have done it all year. They were in the playoff. They've been in playoff contention all year long. They fought to the very end. You look at a team like the Eagles. If you want to figure out why Pat Shermer got fired, look no further than, than oh yesterday. Oh, my God. That was a beautifully coached game. Beautifully coached game. Fourth and short. Hurry! First of all, they were going high-paced offense the entire day. High-paced offense, no huddle. Op- it wasn't necessarily no huddle, but it was the fact that they got to the line quick. They prevented the Giants from making personnel changes, which they like to do, especially with those interior defensive linemen. Carson Wentz gets up to the line quick. He's able to assess the line of scrimmage, and he's able to and they're able to make the changes from there. Fourth and shorts from the middle of the field. Hurry up offense. Quarterback sneak. You know the quarterback sneak's coming. They didn't call a play, but the defense is off their heels. That's coaching. Offense just doesn't simply make a decision to go no huddle and go for it on fourth down. Brilliantly coached game by Doug Peterson yesterday. When Just when they needed it. To, just when they needed it. But, and Justin, they've been doing it for four weeks now. It doesn't hurt that they played the Giants twice. Yeah, uh, no, a absolutely Cowboy team not, that but, was railing and a Washington I mean, club. But I mean, seriously, the Eagles had every single reason to lay down and die, and and, and the they Eagles did. and the Eagles, honestly, the last you know, I'll say I'll call it decade, are historically not a team that does that. They do fight. There, that's that's why I hate seeing them on the schedule. I, I hate I hate Eagle Week because I know it's they're going to be a a team that's ready to play. You might not have heard this, Justin, because you were at the game. I was watching it at home. At one point in the game, there was a line to get into the medical tent for the Eagles. 
This is a team that was extremely <laughs> banged up coming in. There was a line to get into the medical tent. They were losing corners. They lost not only you know they lost. So Lane Johnson's been out for weeks, and then yesterday in the middle of the game they lose Brandon Brooks on an extra point. Jason Peters wasn't playing. So you're at two starting offensive linemen. You're missing Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, uh, Zach Ertz. Weren't they playing a a wide receiver who was a quarterback in college? Greg Ward was their leading receiver last week. He was the only receiver on the Philadelphia Eagles who caught a pass last week. On the the Eagles' first offensive possession uh, on yesterday, he got hurt. He came back, but he got hurt. Boston Scott was the primary back because Miles Sanders got hurt in the game. Right. That's right. called coaching. So Pat yeah. Shermer Pat Shermer was doomed from the start. No. Pat Shermer stinks. He's a bad football coach. Yeah. It, it really is a matter of, you know, David, what did we talk about all summer? We talked about the utilization of play action. Didn't do it as much as he should have. We talked about the utilization of passing out of running formations. Basically, whenever you saw a running formation on the field for the Giants – it wasn't going to be a pass. It was kind of predictably going to be a run. Whenever Elijah Penny was out on the football field, you knew that it was going to be a run. Therefore, that made the utilization of those running formations, it made them a lot weaker. They weren't as stronger. You know, where you see teams like the Vikings, you know, I use that Viking game as an example of a team that I absolutely love to watch because they came in here and did all the things that you kind of wanted literally Pat Shermer to do as a head coach of this giant team. You wanted him utilizing play action. You wanted him getting, you know, uh, the quarterback, no matter what quarterback that we had, whether it was Eli Manning or Daniel Jones. You want him getting, you know, getting away from the tackles, getting him in a little bit of space so he gets away from the from the interior pressure that is sometimes a bad offensive line. So all of these things that we talked about over the summer that worked in 2018 in spurts, when we saw it towards the second half of the season, we just didn't see it on a consistent level, and it showed. It showed with uh, you know inconsistent production from the offensive side of the ball. Uh, we also saw you know on the defensive side of the ball how often have we talked about James Butcher's blitz percentage and the fact that he has been so so conservative ever since he's come to the New York Football Giants, where he had blitz percentages up at like forty seven percent. One of, one of his years as a defensive coordinator in Arizona. Then what was his blitz percentage last year in the month of November with the Giants? I think it was like some 14%. So, you know, that's that. this is part of Pat Shermer's job to get in Dave, get, um, to get in um, James Betcher's face and to say, hey, you got to blitz more. You got to run this defense, you know, what in what works and what has proven to work for you in the past. So this is all, this is all inevitably connected. And that's kind of my, my last point on Shermer. Yeah, I, I don't really have much much more thought. We we knew yeah. he was gone. We we knew he was gone, and and we've been talking about this for weeks now. We we know yeah, how I, I don't. Is. Yeah, I, I don't think, despite rumors and despite I understand, you know, reporters and everybody has to put out articles, and you know, oh, the case for Pat Shermer to stay. I really don't think it was something that was debated last night after this game or even before this game, you know, with this little mini winning streak. I don't ever think it was something that was debated heavily. Um, I think this has been set in stone for weeks. Nine and 23 as a Browns head coach, nine and 23 as a Giants head coach. He stinks. It's also bad seeing the connections that the Giants and the Browns have had recently these last few years. <laughs> very true. They're a very interrelated and interconnected franchise for bad reasons. Um, David, Dave Gettleman is staying. Good. Um, for for me, now this is this is where my brain is at. 
for me, it, it basically would have been a lot easier today for PR reasons <laughs> to let him go. I think it would have been a much easier press conference for John Mara. I think it would have been a much easier press conference. I, I don't know if Dave Gettleman would have had a press conference tomorrow if he would have gotten released and fired today. But basically just the aftermath that is Dave Gettleman staying yikes like it is it is not it is not the best of looks for this organization there there are obvious and inevitable reasons as to why it should happen but david we all know i think everybody listens to this podcast we all know that you're in support of him staying and i think you've outlined some of the reasons why you think he should stay you know his drafting record um and the fact that now he actually is going to be out of cap hell and the cap hell that jerry reese created for this team He's going to have money on his side. He's going to have another top five draft pick on his side again. Those are the reasons why you think, you know, kind of he should stay. And you've laid out those reasons. But here's the question I want to ask you. Why do you think Dave Gettleman should stay? Even though heading into next year, he is going to be a desperate GM and his job is going to be on the line. Why should he stay despite that? Yeah, despite that. Thank you. That was a, that was a better way to word that question. I mean, I've I've outlined that already, though, right? So the Giants are going to, and this is essentially what John Mara said. They, they've got a premium draft pick at number four. No, but I'm saying, why should he stay despite all of this? That's what I'm saying, because I know you've outlined the fact that, that he's going to have money. He's never really had an extensive amount of money before. And of course, you know, he's had uh, top five picks every year that he's been the GM, which is part of the problem. Um, yeah, <laughs> but true. Despite despite the fact that we've already done this once before with Jerry Reese, him being in a desperate position as a general manager, why should we roll the dice and do this again? That's my question to you. I think so much of what Jerry Reese did, and I think it's what Dave Gettleman did last year, or and, and two years ago for that matter, I think so much of it is because of John Mara's insistence that Eli Manning remain the guy for this football team. Jerry Reese in 2016 going on his spending spree was an attempt to get Eli Manning what he needed around him. Justin, you you loved making the point that the problem, the problem that the Giants had with Eli Manning was that in order for him to be successful, he had to have the perfect environment around him. And then he could be a somewhat productive quarterback. Yes. Yes. John Mara made sure that Jerry Reese towards the end and Dave Gettleman in the beginning, he made sure that both of those guys were on board with Eli Manning being the the starting quarterback for the giants going into whatever season it was. And they operated in the off season accordingly overpaying for overpaying for a defense for an aging defense in for Jerry Reese going into 2016. This would even include, oh wait, no, you're on the Jerry Reese, you're on the Jerry Reese years, right? We're not on Dave Gettleman years yet? I'm about to, go ahead, what were you going to say? No, I was going to say this, this would even include the Saquon pick. Yeah, like to, that a, pick to, was to, an ex- to an extent, yeah. I mean, you think about it, you're, you're actively passing up on heir parents to Eli Manning and you're picking up someone to help, to help the offense. And Saquon Barkley, I think, you know, you can disagree with the reasoning behind the pick, but you can't disagree with the fact that he's a fantastic football player. Correct. But it's the same reason why why Jerry's overpaid for a defense. It's the same reason why Dave Gettleman's overpaid for a left tackle. Why and he overpaid for a left tackle. He overpaid for Patrick Omame. 
Because um, you're desperate. <laughs> but you're desperate because you're at the mercy of your owner. You're at the mercy of the person who signs your paycheck. Dave Gettleman had his hands tied. He, he had to put a team together that fit what John Mara wanted. What John Mara wanted was Eli Manning to ride off into the sunset on a 10-win football team, going to the playoffs, going on a run. It wasn't happening. So let's say they never signed Nate Solder. Okay, let's just because because I feel like when when people get on Dave Gettleman, Nate Solder is is number one. It's it's Nate Solder. It's Patrick Omame. David, I would rather not. I would rather not talk about (laughs) Nate Solder because I for people that say that again, there are people that were against the Nate Solder signing for day one because people are against everything. Yes. So I would rather not acknowledge the Nate Solder deal because you want to know what? It was a necessary deal because when you had an incompetent GM or particularly an incompetent evaluator of offensive linemen and Jerry Reese and they picked Eric Flowers, you kind of needed to sign Nate Solder. So I'm not I'm not going to get upset and mad about that. I would rather you point to, again, you're doing Patrick Omame, which at the end of the day, what? A three-year deal, it's not going to kill you. you know, and, and a three-year deal when you cut ties with him halfway through his first season. I'm I'm not going to kill him over that even though you know what it's a bad move and it's a bad look. What I will kill him over and what I think is 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 his absolute worst move is Alec Ogletree. Yes, I agree. I agree. But but let me ask you something. Okay, so so let me take the two offensive linemen who are who are in 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 doubt, right? Nate Solder, Patrick Omame, because those are whether you whether you know, I I get what you're saying about the Solder the Solder situation, but that is a lot of people's finger point when they yeah, which when they hate on Dave Gettleman. It's and, nitpicking. And, it's nitpicking because just because Nate Solder has been so bad this year, right. now we're going back in time and saying, oh, that was a terrible signing. When in fact last year, you know, and you you want to know what, David? I I really, you know, I don't I think you you kind of have to point this out. You really have to point this out. You know, he signed with the New York football giants and I believe his his kid was cured of cancer at the time. And he was kind of coming in with like a new perspective on things. He was coming into a new city, coming in from a new team. And the fact that, you know, this year, um, I'm sorry, you know, these guys have lives outside of football. And the fact that his kid has gone through another round of chemotherapy, you cannot tell me that that has not impacted his mindset and his preparation. I mean, it, it for sure has. But I'm, I'm sorry. I don't want to spend I'm, too much time yeah, on that. Yeah, I'm addressing, I'm just addressing the fact that and I agree with you, and I, and I think it's it is important to bring up because a lot of these guys go through things that we don't see, and yeah. it affects their play the same way how something like that would affect your job. It's his job, right? But if you're going to point at those two signings, you can look no further than John Mara and Eli Manning. It was all about getting Eli Manning the best possible situation right then and there. Screw the future. We don't. It doesn't. It didn't matter. Daniel Jones was nowhere on this team's radar. Forget Daniel at that point in time. Forget Daniel Jones exists. Forget everything we know now. It was all about getting Eli ten wins, and they couldn't do it. And they ended up screwed because of it. Dave Gettleman has had his hands tied since he got here when it came to making moves. Now I'm not saying now Alec Ogletree, horrible. Absolutely horrible. I I can't even if it, that was a trying to I don't, I don't know how that would have been a move that was going to help Eli you know that much, but it, it's horrible. It's by far his worst his worst 
move as a GM. It's not even close. I don't want to hear about Jonathan Stewart. I don't want to hear Patrick Omame. That is by far his worst. I'm willing to give a guy who has now given me a good amount of, of promising young players. I'm willing to give a guy who no longer has his hands tied because it is very clear this team is now moved in a completely new direction. I have no problem giving him a little more free reign to put the team around Daniel Jones. Dave Gettleman wanted Daniel Jones, bar none. He took a lot of heat for it. People hated him for it. People still hate him for it. He wanted Daniel Jones. Our episode after the draft was he got his guy. They got their guy. Yep. Now I would say 80% of the fan base is very behind Daniel Jones. There was one guy who wanted him. Let him put a team around Daniel Jones. Let let slowly him get rid of the crap that was put around Eli Manning to make Eli Manning successful at the helm of John Mara. Let Dave Gettleman put this team together. He's got a lot of money. He's got he's gonna have more draft picks. Let him put it together. I'm not saying that every move he's made has been perfect, but I promise you no GM has been perfect. That approach and that explanation saying, oh, well, no GM has been perfect. That That's a little, it's a little lazy saying that, oh, well, of course, not every move is going to inevitably work out. We're going to play this voicemail. I want to play this voicemail um, because it does relate to what we're talking about right now. It's from Glenn Warsiski of NYG Underground. He was nice enough to leave a voicemail from the car. Um, We're going to hear what he has to say, and then we'll talk about it, and we'll go from there. Hey, guys, this is Glenn. I don't know how good this is going to sound because I'm in my car, but I just wanted to leave you a message. I hope you guys have a happy new year. You guys did a great job all year covering the Giants, and I really appreciate you guys taking pictures at the stadium and going all to the games you're really true blue uh and speaking of blue uh it's a very sad day today a head coach was fired and the general manager was kept on so it really doesn't make any sense to me how this team is gonna perform going forward i have no confidence in um dave gettleman i don't think he's gonna turn things around and uh, paul and myself did a extensive post on Gettleman making the case for his uh, dismissal as Giants GM. We welcome you to take a look at that. There was a lot of good links in there that we found about drafting and value, and Gettleman has pretty much failed every every which way. And um, I hope you guys take a look at it and uh, discuss it. Uh, we'd love to come on sometime to talk to you about it, but. Just a very sad day, uh, just blaming the coach again and not um, holding uh, the person who's making the personnel decisions uh, accountable. All right, well, you have a good night and Happy New Year. So I kind of took uh, a brief look at the, the blog and the article that uh, Paul Burke and Glenn Warsiski wrote on NYGunderground.com, and they wrote it on December 28th, and it was the case for the, the case for Dave Gettleman's dismissal, time to move on from Dave Gettleman. And they talked a lot of, we've talked about value time and time again with even them on the podcast. What was that back in May? Oh, well, um, yeah. And I, yeah, um, which it's, it's honestly not that long ago, but if it, David, does it feel like a long time ago? It feels like a does very it feel like long a long time ago? Yeah. It does feel like a long time ago. And kind of what draw, drew my attention to what they were talking about is a half ass rebuild and a half ass approach at a rebuild. Under Dave Gettleman and David, I think you kind of 
mentioned that where you're saying, well, they're trying to half-ass rebuild with Eli Manning. Is I mean, that was that yeah, kind of maybe absolutely. not your, your kind it, of point? It is. It's a it's a half-assed rebuild, Justin. You this was your favorite saying over the last over the over the let's say six or seven months prior to the draft. You can't be half pregnant. You can. It's actually physically impossible to be half pregnant. What you're saying is you can't half commit to something. You can't say, okay, we're rebuilding this rebuilding while winning. You can't do it. You might win some games, but if you're going to rebuild, you need to start your rebuild with the most important position in sports. So, yeah, in, in that, if you look at it that way, he completely has failed. Because he's put people in place in, in in positions that don't have this team's long-term success in mind. But you look at the difference between what they did going into last season and what they did going into this season. Look at some of the different moves they've made. And you even saw this towards the end of last season as they did start shedding some of their, their poor contracts and, and their aging players. They are embracing a rebuild with what seems to be, for some reason, this is a hot-button issue, a franchise quarterback. Yes, he is your, he is your franchise quarterback. Here, here's where it's backwards and it's half-assed to me, though. You go out and you trade for Leonard Williams. Now, I really don't want to hear the garbage of, well, the likelihood of a third-round pick not working out. Well, the Giants are going to get a third-round pick back anyway when they let X and Y, Z go as a, comp- as a compensation. Do people not understand that when you get compensatory, whatever the whatever the fuck you say it, the the compensation picks, <laughs> they happen after pick thirty two in the third fourth round, whatever round you're talking about. They happen after the last team has picked that round. So guess what? The Giants would have had a top three or top four, excuse me, third round pick. Instead, you're talking about if if Leonard Williams were to. Walk, which now that Dave Gettleman's back, I really don't think that he is walking. You're talking about a pick that's happening at the end of that round. What is that? A 30 pick, 31 pick difference? It's the difference, that's 31 it's the players. difference between picking basically around 65 and 90. 95. So don't tell me, don't tell me that it's basically the same thing. Because it's not. They could have signed Leonard Williams at at for free agency at the end of this year. They have not entered uh, now. I'm not a beat reporter, but have we heard of anything about the giants entering into any kind of negotiation with Leonard Williams as an extension to try and get him to stay in New York, possibly for cheaper before he enters free agency. Have you heard anything about that? I've not. The only thing I know is that Leonard Williams believes they will sign him, which I, well, I, I hope care. they I do really because if he thinks that I, I, I really hope that we do sign him, David, because <laughs> what was that move? And it, and it's and it, this is this goes to Glenn and Paul's point where you know you take a running back second overall when you could have traded back, even if you didn't like any of those quarterbacks. And I'm just saying this is what a lot of people think. You need to keep your draft picks because as a rebuilding team, if you're going to embrace this rebuild mantra post Eli Manning, this is still a move even though Daniel Jones was starting, this was a move that was made that's still with this same line of thinking of what you're saying David is kind of the Eli Manning line of thinking with we're going to build around for a team for Eli Manning when 
what you need to prioritize as a GM who makes great drafting decisions is your draft picks. So I really don't want to. I again, I this isn't this conversation really isn't to rehash his moves and to talk about his good and bad moves and what we think. But I guess it's just a mindset where, in my opinion, if you're trying to justify Dave Gettleman's presence on this team today as a general manager and as the guy leading the charge for this front office, it's kind of easier right now to argue for his dismissal more than it is to have faith in this franchise for him to be kept, especially when you think of what happened the last time the Giants had a quote-unquote desperate GM who was fighting for his job, who had a little bit of cap space, and you saw what happened. Now, I obviously understand your argument, David, and I actually think it's a good argument. Nobody's really had that argument where, you know, now the Giants aren't before, I should say this, before the Giants were spending because they wanted Eli to have one more final hurrah. I hope Dave Gettleman spends accordingly to know that, hey, Daniel Jones is on his rookie contract for a few years here. The cap hit isn't going to be big. We don't really need to spend this all. Or he could have the mentality of, oh shit, my job is on the line, so I need to spend, 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 buy, 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 and sign whoever's best necessary so I can save my ass and save my job. That's what we're hoping. We are hoping as Giants fans that he skews that line. Does that make sense? That that's that's my thought. That's my take. I agree with you. And that's that's a dangerous dude. It's such a dangerous line, man, because if Dave Gettleman goes out there and spends and I'm not even going to say drafts because I'm not even that concerned about him drafting. I am. Well, you know, you're, you are concerned that the fact that we gave a third round pick away to the Jets and this is a point that Glenn and Paul made in their article. You know, what do the Patriots do? Patriots, all the Patriots, all the Patriots do is garner picks yep. and they garner picks in the first four rounds. What do they have, like three picks in the fourth round last year, fifth round? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, uh, let's, David, let's, I want you to get to your take on, it's not even, it's not even a take. It's, it's an informed opinion and possible scenario. It's a working theory. That we, yeah, it's a working theory. And honestly, depending on what Dave Gettleman says today, the day that you're listening to this podcast, uh, it, it may, it may, be in formation it may be totally dismissed but too bad it's monday night we're recording this now and this is where our minds are at so david take it away in terms of your informed theory and opinion on dave gettleman and his presence on the team right now and how it relates to maybe matt rule so you know we we last night we had a lot of rumblings coming out of beat reporters which said dave gettleman um is not um, on very solid ice. That's been reported for for a week or two now. And we started hearing he's going to step down. Um, he's not going to get fired. He's going to step down. He's going for, for medical reasons. He has to watch his health, blah, 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 all this stuff. And then suddenly about, what was it, maybe 9.30 this morning, Justin, after Pat Shermer got fired, maybe it was more like 10 o'clock. We Adam heard, Schefter. We heard Pat Shermer was safe. Or, I'm sorry, not Pat Shermer. We heard Dave Gettleman was safe. Then we heard from Adam Schefter about an hour, an hour and a half later, that the two teams um, who have coaching vacancies, so the Browns and the Giants, are not necessarily done making front office changes. Uh, that both front office situations are, quote, fluid. So what do we make of all of this? So I personally am happy that Dave Gettleman is still here. We just got finished talking about that. But 
I actually don't believe that that's a done deal yet. I don't believe he is still here. I don't believe that John Mara and Steve Tisch have decided he will he will still be here. I think it comes down to one man. I think it's Matt Rule. I think it all comes down to Matt Rule because everything that we're hearing is that the Giants front office love Matt Rule. And everything we're hearing is that Matt Rule loves the Giants. Now, apparently, I... I that was I, a new I, development today, as I painfully found out. Yes, that, that, one, that one hurt you, Justin. The development of Giants ownership and Giants front office liking Matt Rule has been present for a while now, but it's just been a matter of, is Matt Rule possibly interested in coming to the Giants situation, which that has been in doubt these last few weeks. So keep going, David. So... You know, it came to light that Matt Rule loves thinks the Giants are quote his dream. You know, says the Giants are his dream job. He didn't say you know it's, that was that was rumored. Yeah. He apparently said that, he said too. he said the same thing about the Jets last year. But where did it all go wrong for the Jets last year? Matt Rule wanted wanted not only say, but he wanted his offensive coordinator, and the Jets were not willing to you know let him make that decision. We're not willing to let him bring that guy in. And there's been a lot made of Matt Rule's success in college at Baylor and at Temple has been his ability to kind of have complete control of a program and really build it from the ground up, completely change the culture, bring all of his guys in. I believe most of the guys that he worked with at Temple, he brought to Baylor with him. There's been a lot made of an NFL team is not going to allow Matt Rule to have that kind of control. And he's not going to like that. He's not going to want to take a job where he can't have the utmost control of the team. Okay. So you've got Dave Gettleman, who was apparently on thin ice, but now he's not. But now there's people saying he might be. We don't know. They haven't decided yet. And you've got Matt Rule, who the Giants love, and who apparently loves the Giants. So I think what you've got is John Mara and Steve Tisch haven't decided yet. They're waiting to see when Matt Rule, when they have their interview with Matt Rule, which they will have in time, when they have that interview, basically, how much control does Matt Rule want? Yeah, here's the report from Charles Robinson, who's a senior NFL reporter for Yahoo. On Giants and Baylor's Matt Rule, Giants are motivated and borderline excited to hear what he needs. Interview would be extremely culture-driven on rule-shaping program. If he thinks they're lacking and wants to revamp some areas, they'll be all ears, parentheses, unlike the Jets last year. Right. Which, David, what I take from this is, and why this kind of gets me, you know, if there's one piece of consolation, if you are a fan who is just incredibly disgusted that Dave Gettleman is staying despite all of these things, dis despite Mistakewan, and despite Solder, despite Ogletree, despite Pathea, despite the Williams trade, despite <laughs> let's let's keep going. <laughs> no. Um, but uh despite all these things, what I'm excited about what this, at least what we're hearing is that the Giants are actually flexible in listening to what other people have to say in terms of how they are run and how things are run instead of them just being stubborn in their ways and then being stuck in quote-unquote Giants pride and the Giants way. They are actually listening. They are, hey, hey, Matt Rule, we, we kind of like you. We kind of want you. What you have done has worked in the past. What would you do differently? If you were to come in here, what would you do? That has been something that 
they should have been asking outsiders, even though they wouldn't. Maybe, maybe let's just say, Giants front office doesn't hire outsiders, but why not interview outsiders and simply ask them, what do you think about the way that we're running our franchise? And when you bring them in on an interview, that's a professional thing to do. And the fact that they are not only interested in rule, but they're going to let them or they're going to let him tell them what he may want to do differently. I think that's kind of a positive sign and it's a consolation out of all this shit. Right. Yeah, I I think I think you've got a guy who they really want. I don't think I don't think Dave Gettleman's status is solidified yet. Because I believe if they have their interview with Matt Rule and Matt Rule says, All right, and you know, they get they get in the interview room, they're having a great time, you know, they're eating some dinner, it's going great. And and they say, Matt Rule, what do you what do you want? What do you need? What kind what kind of control do you need? Because I mean, they're not stupid. They they know Matt Rule's pedigree. They know rules, the way that he's done things. What kind of control do you want? What do you want to have say in? What do you want to what rooms do you want to be in? And if that answer isn't simply I want control of everything, but if it's I want to have a, a really big say in personnel decisions and I want to have a big say in our draft in, in our draft and free agency and I don't put it past John Mara and Steve Tisch to go to Dave Gettleman and say, look, we will um you will be an elevated advisor of sorts. You will be in all the meetings, you'll be in all the rooms, but you are no longer the general manager. And it becomes a more group-oriented effort. And I think that's what you're seeing with, with that tweet that you quoted, Justin. I think what you're seeing is management and ownership that's been very, very steadfast in the way they do things. Maybe, just maybe, starting to be willing to be a little bit more flexible about that. And I think that's a very good thing. And, and I'm not saying this is going to happen. I, you know, this could, like you said tomorrow, like you said, tomorrow Gettleman could speak and this could fall apart. This whole theory could fall apart. But what But what has been happening between the Schefter rumor, there was a post that was on Big Blue Interactive that basically said, you know, oh, so, somebody has a source that Dave Gettleman, his health is, you know, his health may be in question and then he may step down or may take an advisory role. So basically what we're doing is we're acknowledging everything that has been put out on Twitter or everything that has been put out into the universe as a possible rumor. We're not believing it, but what we are doing as podcasters and as fans, and especially coming from an organization that has had so many of these fucking rumors come true, what we are doing is we are evaluating everything, and what David's trying to do is he's trying to make sense out of it, and this actually does make sense, especially knowing how much the Giants want Matt Rule. And I think at, for the last part, I've had a lot of people say to me, but you know, you're not really going to give a college coach with no NFL experience at this level of coaching that much power. And my answer to that is why not for everybody who, who says that John Mara is such an idiot, then you can't put it past him to say that this is okay too. So I don't really think that I think right now they have all options on the table. The point is John Mara's made it very clear throughout the last, I would say five or six years, what he wants, he is willing to make happen. Whether that's for good or bad, Eli Manning was going to be the quarterback one way or another. We knew that. He was going to make it happen, and he was going to hire the people to make it happen. I think if he wants rule 
in the Giants building, he is willing to do a lot to get him in the building. Don't so I'm 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 telling you, do not put it past any of these guys to to say that this situation is not finished within two weeks or so. That is my theory. All right. Let's uh I mean, John Marion had his press conference today. Let's talk quickly about that. Then we'll get into other names in terms of uh, possible new head coaches. Um, there's going to be some some surprising names that we're going to include on the list too, so be prepared for that. But John Marion, he had his press conference today. I thought it was there was only really two significant points that I found. Oh yeah, and Steve Tisch spoke too, and all. I mean, Steve Tisch basically said, "I want to get more involved in the day to day process and the day to day." I guess. Um, involvement and decision-making of football operations and not just the financial side of things, which I guess good. Yeah. So uh, two things from the John Mayer press conference. Um, the analytics department is a thing, um, which a lot of people were kind of surprised over, but you know, David, I just want to say this quickly. Bill Belichick uh, spits in the face publicly spits in the face of analytics. Whenever he's asked about it, that he doesn't, you know, he doesn't really believe in those numbers yet. I mean, five years ago, he was given like a lifetime achievement award by a a lifetime achievement award by MIT um, for his usage of analytics in terms of his situational awareness of going forward on fourth down. Um, So, you know, even though he publicly, he even did it this year. He's, I think somebody asked him about some sort of analytics and he's like, I don't, I don't believe in that. I don't really do that. So, if there's if there's a weapon that is like a secret weapon, you're not going to let everybody know what you're doing and give the keys to your success. Now, I think the rest of the league is catching up with the benefit of using analytics in certain types of interesting and effective ways. So why should Dave Gettleman also just, you know, give out if he does use analytics? Why would they why would the Giants just here? Yeah, we do use analytics. Yeah. But I think it was pretty cool hearing how John Mara was saying how, you know what, we've included analytics now more than ever. Now, frankly, I frankly don't even think that they were including them barely at all a couple years ago. Um, So now that they're including it now more than ever may not speak towards how often they use them. I don't know. I'm not in the building. But I thought it was just cool to hear how there have been certain things that have been implemented, like a team psychologist he mentioned. There have been certain things that they've been doing differently behind the scenes and I believe him when he says this, that we're not seeing. We talked about over the summer how Gettleman chose all those those secondary guys and kind of ignored the pass rush, and a lot of people lost their minds. Well, I'll tell you what, advanced trend, you know, certain certain trends of the league have teams like the Patriots and the Chiefs doing the same thing, where they're kind of, you know, letting Chandler Jones walk, um, you know, trading Chandler Jones away, letting Trey Flowers walk, you know, the Chiefs let Justin Houston walk. Those things, you know, those are that's rushing the passer, but they've invested in their secondaries. And that's exactly what the Giants did this offseason too, except some of those moves like Antoine Bethea didn't exactly work out. And Janoris Jenkins use a bad word. So <laughs> um John Merrill also got very defensive when he was asked about the risk of having a GM who was on the hot spot. Um which is why I basically said to start the episode that it would have just been easier for PR reasons to let Dave Gettleman go, but here we are. And we outlined the reasons why that they should be kept. That isn't PR reasons. And we already did that. So, David, do you want to wrap up this this episode by talking about uh, uh, possible guys <coughs> that could Gosh. be... Oh, my God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Possible guys that could be interviewed. Um, let's just name names. 
with no context okay. <laughs> and we have we have no we have no like real informed opinions on them but if we want to rank who our favorites are sure we can go for it so why don't you read the names off and then give us your thoughts on whoever am i going like in order of my my wish list no you don't you don't have to go in order in terms of your fate like who your favorites are because i really don't think i'm just gonna let things play out as they as they come All right. but All right. so so Give whatever opinion you so have. Here the, so here are the guys we've, we've put down. Now, some of these guys have already been rumored. Some of them already have already have interviewed. You know, interviews are already basically lined up. But we've got Josh McDaniels, um, obviously offense coordinator on the uh, Patriots. Matt Rule, who we've talked about in excess. Um, Eric, did we did we decide how we say his last name? Bienemy. Panini. No, it's not Panini. Justin. Eric There's Panini. A B in that name. Hey Panini, um, don't you be a meanie. Eric Bien, we're gonna go with Bienemy. I'm going with Bienemy. I'm going Panini, who's offensive coordinator of Kansas City. Obviously, he's had a great deal of success, but again, how much of that is Andy Reid really? Chris Richard of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, PR reasons. <sighs> Justin and I say and I say PR reasons. I don't say PR reasons because of the Rooney Rule. So get the fuck out of here with that. Take no, I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying for PR reasons because it's to get into Dallas Cowboys' head. Oh, interesting. When I said PR reasons, I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> take that back," and make sure that you clarify your take. Nice. Can keep going. Uh, Jason Garrett, head coach of the Cowboys. It will Wait, happen, Justin. It will happen. You're going to get yourself in so much trouble. The last like 20 seconds have gotten you in so much trouble. Okay, which would be the worst situation ever. Mike McCarthy, who I personally really don't want. Um, there are a lot of people who do want him. Guess what? what? Guess what, though? What? Guess what, though? This ESPN article has said that Mike McCarthy has spent the last season reading up entirely and studying analytics. Well. Bizarre. I'm kind of like, oof. I have to like keep calm and know that basically he took – Aaron Rodgers and his and prime him. years, and he and he couldn't yeah. do shit with them. It not not ruined, but he couldn't do shit with them when it actually kind of mattered. I have to remember that, and remember that incompetence. But I'll tell you what, somebody who's been reading about analytics for a year, <laughs> you're my guy. <laughs> who baby? Who baby? Um, Keep going. All right, who else, who else we got here? When I'm off the, I'm off our uh, our thing here. Uh, we got Greg Roman, offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens. Obviously, I mean. You know, he's he's one of those guys I feel like it's any you know, whatever whatever unit has done really well on whatever team that got that coordinator will be mentioned in every single head coaching vacancy. Um so it's like it's happened with Matt Patricia the last couple of years and then finally he got hired by the Lions. It's happened with Josh McDaniels every year, except this year the Patriots offense stinks, so I don't know why everyone wants Josh McDaniels. Tom Brady's not very good, he's though. Not. I'll tell you what. He's not. And you know what? Tom Brady has not been very and, good. And you know what? Hot take. He really hasn't been for a while. Um, all right. So, Greg Roman. Now we get into some of our some of our fun ones. Jack Del Rio. Justin, you put on Jack Del Rio. Explain to me why Jack Del Rio. Because Jack Del Rio once wore suits on the sidelines, and I would like to see that again. <laughs> okay. In Jacksonville. Um. Ron Rivera, and then Justin put, but who knows? Um, it it yeah, is worth, him to Washington is, looks like a set deal. It but is worth, I don't know, it is worth noting 
that they were supposed to have a meeting tonight or tomorrow night, and it's gotten pushed to Tuesday or, or maybe oh. Tuesday next week, I think. After New Year's, worth noting, just saying. Um, then we have Robert Salah, Salah, who we had a very hard Salad. time figuring out how to say his last name, as is becoming a common theme with these names. Defensive coordinator on the 49ers. Obviously, the 49ers defense has been fantastic this year. This is I've seen this, I've seen his name pop up a couple times. I actually don't think it's a terrible idea. The reason why I dismiss it is because I really think they're they want to get a guy in here who's going to be able to um really help Daniel Jones. And, and I don't think yeah. I don't think I don't think he'll be, you know, he's ob- he's obviously he's coming over as a defensive coordinator, which isn't a bad thing I'm inherently. Lo- I'm low key, I'm low key done with uh quarterback gurus. I'm not talking about quarterback gurus necessarily. I'm just talking about a guy oh. who maybe is a little more offensive minded. Well, the, this guy, uh, Mr. Robert, has a bald head and he's 40 years old. So maybe those two things could help Daniel Jones in some way. Maybe, but you know who else has a bald head and could or balding head and could potentially help? Yes. Who? I don't know. Tom Coughlin. Ooh, Tom Coughlin. Tommy C looking for a job. Tommy C looking for a job. Fresh off his exit with Jacksonville. Do we need to outline that we're being sarcastic right now? No. No, we, we're, we're not. not. We are not being sarcastic. Tom Coughlin is a serious candidate for this Giants head coaching job. I have I have it on a reliable source because I am a beat reporter. Wait. I have it on a reliable source that Tom Coughlin is on a plane from his home in Nashville, Tennessee right now. Does he live in East Rutherford? He's going to land in Newark. From Nork. there, he will take an Uber X, Ooh. driven by Curtis Riley. Edit this out, because no, I had his name in my head. Edit this out. I had his name. Why? Why am I blanking? It was going to be really funny. Fuck. Kyle Luletta. That's what I was going to say. Oh, damn! Nice one. No, I would not Thanks. want Kyle Luletta driving my Uber. He's he is going. He's going to get an Uber. He had a run in with the law. Kyle Luletta to to the, the Giants facility, and he, he's going to interview for the GM position as we speak. Did you know my, that my Xfinity guy said that uh, Tom Coughlin's going to return to the uh, to the organization with the front office role? Well, you just totally blew up your Xfinity guy's spot. Uh, that was my... He's, he, he, said, he said he has a reliable source, and my Xfinity guy said Tom Coughlin back to the Giants. And Eli Manning is staying. He and Eli both Manning, of those yeah. things. So, I mean, hey, hey... Take that as as it as it, as it comes to you. Just do do with that information what what you wish, people. What's our next What's our uh, next head coaching candidate? You put Billy B. I'm wondering. If yeah, I'm, that's I'm, a that's Bill Belichick. Ever heard of him? Ah, ah, yes, of course. I was thinking Billy Bean for some reason. No, 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 no. Um, our next guy is Joe Torre, of course, and then Tom Landry. Tom Landry is a hot commodity on the head coaching market right now. I wonder if he's going to have a reunion with the New York Football Giants. He was a defensive coordinator once. It would be a long, you know, it was a long time ago. We might have been playing in a different stadium, but uh, you know, I think he's somewhat familiar with the grounds. I would say so. I would say so. I also forgot one. I meant to, I meant to put this one on here. Okay. Because you got you got to drag him out every single off season when someone when someone has a head coach vacancy. Oh, is it Bill Cower? Yes. Yes. Got it. Okay. We need to start that. Okay. All right. We have one more voicemail to play, and then we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get on out of here. Hey guys, this is Tim in Florida again. Uh, first, I want David to say 
what his favorite thing about Pat Shermer was now that he's gone. And then, two, what, on a serious note, what would you say is Dave Gellman's second be- or best move when you take out Daniel Jones? Appreciate the show, and how big are your wieners? Bye. That last point that he said is appreciate the show and how big your wiener is, I'm pretty sure. That's I thought I heard something about wieners. I didn't know if he said have a good weekend. He could have also Which said wieners. It's Tuesday. Ooh, maybe you you might have made it a lot dirtier than it had to be. No weenus. I said weenus. That's the thing on weenus. the end of your elbow. No, that's all I know. I'm saying I think your initial take might have been a lot dirtier than it had oh, to be. Oh no, really did no. Say weenus. You know, Tim from Florida sounds a lot like Bobby Skinner. I you know he's it's crazy. A, he's called a few times into the show, but you know Bobby. I've texted Bobby Skinner afterwards. He's like, did you call? He's like, no. Just Tim from Florida sounds uh, a lot like him, and conveniently, they're both from Florida. So, uh, well, David, maybe it's something. Maybe, maybe it's something in the sun. Maybe it like mm. maybe the Florida sun like really has like a reaction on on the vocal cords. So, David, uh, say something nice about Pat Shermer now that he's gone. I love Pat Shermer's insistence on running Saquon Barkley up the middle against the stout defensive line. You see, that's line. that's sarcastic, though. No, I'm not being sarcastic at all. Oh, okay. All right, fine. All right, fine, fine, fine. Um, I think Pat Shermer is actually a much nicer guy than he was able to be with the New York media. He seems like a good dude. He just seems like he was in a terrible position for this job. He was just not meant for this job. But he thinks he's a good dude. I kind of said something, and I kind of thought something similar, because I think Pat Shermer has an incredible smile. When he does smile, of course. He has a very nice smile. He does. You're right. The players seem to like him. Yeah. You know, you know Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, they were asked if they wanted him fired, and they said no. Shocker. He does. Unlike the last Giants head coach, he doesn't have a pedophile mustache. One day we're going to have a Bleeding Blue episode where we're going to retell the story of how Ben McAdoo told the 2016 <laughs> Giants the story of... No, I'm sorry. The 2017 Giants, the story of that sex-crazed lion... <laughs> As a as because the average um, age of that football team was higher in in terms of you know uh, the the rest of the National Football League, so one day we're going to tell the story of how Ben McAdoo told that story to his team. I already told it on, I told it in the episode with Nikki Snacks, but we'll tell it again one day. Yeah, it's 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 really good. Frazier, Frazier, yeah. the sex crazed lion. Yep. All right, David. That's that's it. That's it. We've gone. We've gone really long. I'm trying to think if I have anything, but if I. But I don't know if I have anything else nice to that, say. That's okay. We we only had to say one thing. Oh, wait. Um, Dave Gettleman's second best move. Uh, Mark, one, two, three. Marcus Golden. I was not prepared for that. Uh, yeah, but we both say Marcus Golden. So what's the third best move that he's ever made? No, actually, I'll say the, the next, his second best move was uh, the Odell Beckham trade. Oh, you sick son of a bitch. It was a great trade. You sick, I'm not being sarcastic at all. You sick, sadistic son of a bitch. All right, so I say Marcus Golden. You say the Odell Beckham Jr. trade. Okay, we don't have to come up with the third one. No. Okay. Uh, David, do you have any final words? Hey, all you people. Hey, all you people. Hey, all you people. Listen to me. Well, actually, no, listen to me. Okay. Um, stay beautiful. <laughs>